Welcome back to .NET Rocks and Merry Christmas, everybody. I'm Carl Franklin. And I'm Richard Campbell. And uh, we have a very special show this holiday season. Uh, our old friend Rory Blythe is here. We'll be talking to him in just a minute. But first, man, uh, Merry Christmas, Richard. Well, Merry Christmas to you too, buddy. Yeah. What'd you get? I don't know yet. Because it's, <laughs> it's uh, approximately a month before Christmas right now. Yeah, it's a time-shifting problem here. It's like, yeah, yeah. okay, it's Christmas, kind of. But I, <laughs> I'm kind of thinking my Canadian friend might have gotten me some scotch or something. But, might. Uh, I have I'm no idea. You, meat. you got meat for me last year. I think you're getting meat for me this year, too. Meat. Yeah, let me tell you something. The Carnivore Club is like the best happy box uh, of the month that, thing that I've ever gotten. I think I've gotten the permanent Christmas present for you. It's like every month you get a box of meat. What more do you want? I know. It's pretty awesome. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. No, it's my favorite. So, I thought about getting you something else and I'm like, nah, I already got the perfect present. And you know what um, kind of sucks that I forgot? You know, when we went through Prague and stuff, I, I came through Barcelona and in the airport, I got some jamón ibérico. Oh, you did? And I put it in my bag and I said, you know, when I see Campbell, I'm going to open this up and we're going to have some of this. And I totally forgot, man. It's all right. Not sorry. Good. That was a good little East Co- Eastern European run for me. I, I brought home probably a gallon worth of, of Moldovan brandy. <laughs> That's crazy. Because it's good. Yeah. Crazy yeah. good. But yeah. yeah. So, Prague was a riot. Prague was great. It's a very meat forward city, which I really oh, yes. appreciate about Prague. Yeah. Yeah. That is they like the- They don't mess around. That's the stuff that they prefer to eat the most. Meat. Yeah. Good Can't meat. disagree with it. And uh, and cost effective. It was inexpensive. It was yeah. pl- fun. It was just a great place. Yep. But I also got a chance to go back to Bulgaria with Devreach, which we've been to many times. Yep. Sofia continues to evolve as a city. It was very enjoyable. But man, my first trip ever into Moldova. Yeah. And uh, I, I also went to the Transnistrian region, which is the east side of the Transnistria River. And uh, a place that is sort of frozen in time. Yeah, they kind of got hammered during the war, right? Well, they kind of fomented their own, they're considered a semi-autonomous region of Moldova. Hmm. 1992, they kind of broke off. And so they have their own version of the ruble. And uh, I, you know, you know, you're pretty far east when you see street signs and say, this way to Odessa, mm. Ukraine. <laughs> like, okay, wow. I'm pretty far east. Yeah. But, uh, and I saw Russian peacekeepers. Think about that for just a yeah, minute. Yeah, think about that, right? Yeah. Wild. But boy, oh boy, they make brandy. It's good stuff. All right. Well, uh, I think it's time we start this uh, holiday show. Uh, I'll start with Better Know a Framework. Roll the music. Awesome. Dude, what do you got? Okay, well, I, as you know, or you may not know, or listeners, uh, that I've been getting into doing live streaming events. Yes. And that's the whole idea of going into a place with a few cameras, setting them up, and doing a, a live switched camera shoot, three or four camera shoots, uh, and uh, doing that live to YouTube. And then, of course, the edits already get made, and like I've got some great technology to do that. But right. the one thing that you can't count on is the Wi-Fi or the network wherever or you're streaming. Wired, yeah, for sure. Right. And so there's some technology out here called cellular bonding. Yeah. And the way it works are network bonding. So the way it works, and you probably know all about this, Richard, because you're that yeah. network guy, is that yeah. you take various networks and you sort of put them together in, you know, a couple of uh, a Wi-Fi jack, a, a network jack, a hardwire jack, and a couple of cellular modems. And then basically it uses whatever is available at the time and can automatically fail over and switch. 
Um, so this is a there's there's a thousand dollar device out there. It's called the LiveView Solo Wireless Live Video Streaming Encoder, and uh, it works with any RTMP uh, thing. So Facebook Live, Twitch, YouTube, Twitter Live Video Streams. You can use Restream if you want to go to all of those things. And essentially, it's this little streaming box. So not only does it put together, you know, four networks and seamlessly let you use them and just automatically works, whatever's working, you actually use that to do the stream. So it's got an HDMI input. Right. So I use the Sling Studio, which has a, a hub that um, wirelessly connects to up to four sources, or, you know, in my case of a conference, three cameras and the PowerPoint, you know, the, the desktop. And then you can switch them with an iPad or a MacBook app. And those edits automatically happen. It automatically goes, uh, gets streamed. So basically, I take the HDMI output of that, go into the live view, and now everything's happening. And you don't have to just bet it all on one wire or one Wi-Fi connection. Right. Beautiful. Yeah. It's always great when it works. Bonding is a complicated tech. So it's uh, it's definitely a challenge, but uh, it's cool. If, if you get it to work, the main thing, I think, with that multiple streaming source is that you could have using one connection to stream to Facebook, another connection to streaming to YouTube, that kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. Well, there you go. That's my, uh, sorry, I had to wait till after Christmas or at Christmas to tell everybody about this because now that people are like, hey, man, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to bring back that giant TV and get one of these instead. <laughs> Right. So, yeah. So who's talking to us, Richard? Uh, you know, it's been a while since we talked to Rory, and I didn't really want to talk about his iPhone days in like 2009, so I was digging around for some other comments involving him, and I found one on show 1100. You know, Rory, you, you can come on out, and you don't have to mute your microphone. You can join yeah. in if you want. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hi. Hey. <laughs> Thanks for letting me be on the show I was invited to. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You can turn your mic on now, buddy. <laughs> Keep yourself under control. So this is a comment from show 1100, which was the Making a Thousand podcast with Carl and Richard hmm. uh, for February of 2015. Of course, we got lots of comments on that show and had some fun mostly talking about podcasting. But this particular comment, I think, is incredibly relevant to today's conversation. This is from Robert Nagby, who said, I was listening to .NET Rock with my kids on the commute home from school yesterday when I realized that the younger of the two hadn't even been born. When I started listening. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I couldn't remember my first episode, so I went searching, and I found that it must have been listening pre to show 84, because on that show, Rory called me an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> my kids and I have been growing up with .NET rocks. <laughs> so I guess it was a bonding experience. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, yeah. You asshole. <laughs> <laughs> i looked up robert's name in the email list for you know mugs and things and i found we did send him in a mug and in fact in the notes when i sent him a mug this was four years ago it said because rory was mean to him <laughs> <laughs> that's funny <laughs> man oh all the people who are gonna want mugs now yeah, yeah. so many people <laughs> uh <laughs> So, Robert, besides the mug you've already received, happy to send you a copy to Music to Code by, and if you'd like a copy of Music to Code by, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com. 
or on Facebook. We publish every show there. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a copy of Music to Go By. And definitely follow us on Twitter. He's at Rich Campbell. I'm at Carl Franklin. Send us a tweet. Don't be an asshole. Nice. <laughs> In the old days, we used to interview the guest. We didn't just sit there and be like, oh, come to my Twitter. Boo, 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 boo. <laughs> come to my Facebook. Look at my pictures. Who is this guy? Blah, blah, blah. I know, really. <laughs> I used to co host this stupid show, you assholes. All right. Well, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Let me formally give Rory's bio here. Uh, for those who don't know, Rory is an independent contractor working in Portland, Oregon, who began coding at age five on a Timex Sinclair 1000, skipped childhood, never went to the prom, started working for the man, has been loving it ever since. He was also co host of .NET Rocks from episodes 50 <laughs> to 100. He had a hilarious nerdy blog called Neopolian and has been known to call out the weirdos that landed on his surreal blog posts by reading what they typed into Google. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Google and that's weirdos. what started this you know whole conversational thread out, right, was I went and dug out a Google weirdo from, like, Yuval Lowy's show, and it was just shocking. <laughs> <laughs> So we wanted you to come back on the show because, you know, you, you sort of started going on Twitter and saying, hey, I'm here and, you know, sorry, I haven't been around in a while. But, you know, there's a lot of people that really love you, Rory. And, you know, we wanted to give you a chance to say hi to them and see what you're up to. First, I want to say that's the bio that I wrote. Well, most of it anyway. No, about half of it. The first half. Didn't I write that for my first interview with you? Yep. That's Wasn't right. that my original bio? I think so. From, yeah. What was it? 2003, December of 2003. The show came out in 2004, I think. I think that's And then right. you hired me like 12 minutes later because uh, <laughs> Mark Dunn was moving on and <laughs> yeah, I got yeah. really lucky. So, but yeah. Um, oh, you had a question. Where no, am I, I, what I am said, I doing? You know, how are things? <laughs> yeah, how are things? Well, yeah, so I went away. Um, not, uh, <laughs> not, not quite the way it sounds because that makes it sound like I either went on vacation or to like prison and I didn't quite do either. Mm. A lot of things happened. Like, didn't I show you some of the photos from when yeah. I got sick? Yeah, yeah, you, I you was, got well, sick. Yeah, I met up with you, Richard, Chris Ells, you know, like everybody was down there at that, at that meat shop. At that meat restaurant in Portland. That was on one and, of the uh, road trips. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't believe that. Yeah, we went in there because, uh, you know, one of the problems I'm having is is something called delayed gastric emptying, which causes me to throw up like all the damn time. Mm. It's really unpleasant. And so being in there, I, I just, God, I wanted to eat that stuff. Like every three minutes, one of those guys would come by and ask you, like, if you wanted a slice of the cow. Like, yeah. right. It, it was almost like the... Uh, I don't remember which hitchhiker's uh, book it was, but somewhere it might have been. It might have been the restaurant at the end of the galaxy. But um, they bring the actual cow to your table, and, and yeah, your cow talks to you as they uh, <laughs> take chunks out of it and feed you um, the sentient talking cow. Yeah, Douglas Adams. I miss that guy. But yeah, anyway, the- so as you know, I got sick. I showed you some of the photographs. They were disgusting. Um, people out there, if you would like to see photographs of uh, I don't know how to put it, but skin sliding off of my legs and leaving gigantic bloody patches behind. Um, I can give you those. Yeah. I gave them to Franklin over dinner. Not yeah. the best choice. Um, 
everybody I've shown them to, all like three and a half people just go, ew, disgusting, blah, blah, blah. I never wanted to see that. Fact of the matter is you were having a hard time and um, yeah. you sort of dropped out too. And I, th I thought it was interesting. I don't know if you want to tell the story, but, you know, people want to know what happened to your awesome blog. And uh, the, you, when you shared with me <laughs> that you took it down yeah. and the reasons why, it kind of makes sense. But Well, the, the saddest, horriblest reason is that people say that one of the rules about writing is you have to write what you know. And what I knew when I kept Neapolitan going was that I was healthy. I was in a good place. I, I didn't yet realize how, how incredibly screwed up my familial relations were. We won't even get into that. But um, I just, I had no idea what was kind of waiting for me down the road. So I got a few, I think good years of writing material from everything that happened. I mean, I was lucky just, I got to have a lot of amazing experiences early on. Yeah. And um, when it switched to things like my mom having me arrested in the middle of my working on a contract for Joel Spolsky using Xamarin. So, I mean, imagine that. That's yeah. such an awesome contract. Working for Joel yeah. Spolsky using Xamarin. Yeah. Right? I was getting... Ugh, it was perfect. And she had me arrested right in the middle of that. And, uh, and held my computer captive until I was able to go to her house and pick it up, um, with police escort. Uh, it has been a messed up time. And those are things people right now are thinking, oh man, Christmas show, DNR, Rory, I thought this was going to be fun, <laughs> but this is, this is a bummer. And yeah. it is a bummer. And that's yeah, why is. I don't write about it anymore. It's right. because you write what you know. And I don't want people to <laughs> experience secondhand what it's like to throw up until your teeth rot. Right. Like I'm having reconstructive dental surgery right now. And if I were talking to you a couple of weeks ago, I could take, I've got photos of this as well. That'll make you puke. I'm like my two front teeth have both like snapped hmm. right in the middle. Yeah. And yeah. And, and the rest of my teeth have done that as well. And it's from all the, it's the stomach acid from hmm. throwing up has eroded the right. enamel. And, wow. and yeah, so it's, it's like one thing leads to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. Hmm. And, and yeah, but, all that said, uh, you know, Jeff Atwood came out of the, just every once in a while he comes out to kick my butt. There have been a few people to kick my butt socially. You've kicked my butt, tried to get me out here, and it's it's helped, it's worked. And John Elliott uh, in Australia, one of, one of the Neapolitan readers, and, and uh, he, he did a lot of work trying to get me to kind of get out and do stuff again. Yeah. And I did for a while, but then life hits you again right in the face with a shovel, and mm. and you go down. So it was like, Two steps forward, one step back, and then Jen, Jet, I can say his name, and then Jet, Jet, no, I can't, but I can't. Jeff Atwood <laughs> came out and, and was, uh, and he, and he was just texting me and he's like, Hey, you know, where are you, man? Are you okay? And he texted me right at a time when things were so not okay. Mm. Um, you wouldn't, yeah, you just wouldn't believe it. It's, it's, it's insane yeah. how, uh, how my life could go from being so amazing to being so messed up. And, Anyway, uh, he's sort of this big time emergency Rory rescue thing that was a lot about uh, self-esteem and mm. getting back out there. And he, he started sending me things, right? <laughs> so I've got, I've got a Raspberry Pi here and I'd never had one before. And they're fantastic. Have you played with these? Oh, yeah. I mean, you must have. Yeah. I, I, by the way, everybody, a lot of the stuff I talk about and I'm excited about hmm. uh, is is old news to you, but is brand new to me because I've been out of the game for eight years and completely stinking poor, so I couldn't afford any of this stuff. So Jeff's sending me, 
you know, the Raspberry Pi with all the necessary accoutrements to get it set up and uh, a picade, well, a picade, um, which is one of those little uh, arcade cabinet boxes you can build around a Pi. Right. It comes with a screen. Yeah. So, so he, he's got me doing that. He sent me yo-yos and he's got me working on uh, various like yo-yo tricks. And what's amazing is that while I'm doing those things, I can't think about all the crap in my life mm. that has been messed up. And the more I've done that, the less dependent on my crazy little world has become because you get trapped in there, you know? Right. You get trapped in your, in your problems and your mess. And somehow, like through that, he's, he's really helped me like guide myself out. And then I started tweeting just to reconnect with people. Yeah. And I was astonished because people seem to want to talk to me again. And I just thought, Hey, nobody's going to want to talk to me. I'm a guy who sits around and throws up, but mm -hmm. I've been getting told otherwise. Did you have a question? No, no. I, I <laughs> seriously, the question was, you know, what's been going on in your world and yeah, I think you're, you're answering doing? it. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh that's rough. And, and have, I mean, writing has always been such a great part of your life. Now that you feel um, like you're feeling better. Are you writing anymore? Not well, Yes, yes and no. Um, oh, there's some, there's some neat projects going on that I don't think I can talk about yet, but one of them is going to involve a lot of writing. And hmm. it's another one of these really fun, it, it's a project. It's not a job, but it's a project. Yeah. And, uh, and it, it involves Mark Miller and, um, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be fun, I think. Wow. Um, Anything that involves Mark Miller is going to be fun. It, well, it's definitely going to be crazy. Like it's it, it <laughs> between him and me and how we talk. It's not going to make any sense at all. But it will be live streamed on Twitch, and yeah, I, I really I know do it, hope I, it's, I, it's going to be fun. We know all about it because um, you know oh, crap. He, he wanted to do it with us. <laughs> well, yeah, but you guys, yeah, you guys have like nine million things going on. And to tell you the truth, I, I think you'd be so much better in this in this particular project than we would be. Like oh, that's, that sounds yeah. like it's going to be a riot. Yeah. You guys aren't qualified for this. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> You're way too sane and put together. <laughs> you, you, you should not be involved with this. Your lives are good. Keep it that way. You know, I, marriage, kids, I, stuff like that. Don't stray. Don't wander. The grass is not greener elsewhere. You are in a great place, but I'm taking chances. The Mark Miller. <laughs> but, but, but I love him. You, you know, this is something, something amazing about Mark that I don't think a lot of people know because it was right around when I stopped writing. But in 2007, when my second grandma died, like mm. a year after my first grandma and, and I was down and stuff was all messed up and I had a really bad period and a really bad day that went really wrong. And Mark hopped in his car and drove to my condo in washington from idaho now i lived on the west coast of washington mm. so you think about it i mean this guy just hopped right in his car crossed you know crossed bits of idaho then crossed the state of washington to show up at my door and stay with me and make sure i was okay wow. so that's someone who you know crazy on screen off yeah. screen absolutely incredible yeah, yeah he's a you gem know? Yeah. I mean, so, so God, like there are all the stories behind the tech people that we interviewed and a lot of those I, I really wanted to tell because yeah. they're amazing. Oh, yeah, I'm kidding. 
And every but, one of uh, us has an amazing story about Chris Sells, who's just always been there, always oh God, yes. a great contributor, <laughs> like just extraordinary. I, I'm going to have to interrupt you for just a moment, though, or maybe I'm interrupting me for this very important message. Hey, Carl here. If you enjoy music to code by, you or someone you know might be interested in the app, which I've generically branded music to flow by. See what I did there? <laughs> it's a subscription model. And if you bought the complete collection of Music to Code by before October 24th, 2017, you are eligible to win a free six-month subscription. With that, you get access to all the tracks on your phone with offline support. You get continuous play and even a sleep timer. Download Music to Flow by in your app store and flow on. And we're back. It's Richard Campbell, Carl Franklin, here with our friend Rory Blythe. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. No plans Merry Christmas. at all for the show. No idea what's going to happen here. But speaking of Santa, we were talking about Chris Sells. <laughs> <laughs> he has a great Santa costume. I've seen him wear it. Yeah. Okay. All right. You were missing the segue, but now it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had a plan, friend. I had a plan. <laughs> he, he looks more and more like Santa every day. So. Mm. And you get a garbage collector and you get a garbage collector. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I love Chris. I yeah. really do. Oh my God, there's another hero. But yeah. Now, did you have something you specifically wanted to say about Chris Richard? Well, he's one of the reasons that Don and Rocks exists. Yeah. Without a doubt. Oh God, yeah. that's true. Yeah. Well, because well, back when I first started listening, he was like, I, I'd have to say that he and Scott Hanselman, and they were probably my favorite guests. But I've for some, I don't know. Chris has always been my. I think he's he's always been my warmest, fuzziest, like. uh I don't know if I want to say guru, but I'll definitely say uh, I. it's hard to be friends with him because I kind of worship him. You yeah. know what I mean? And that happens in this industry, too. You meet people who are so amazing, so smart and talented that they say you're their friend, but mm. you can't believe that this person would bother being friends with you. And Chris is one of those people. And man, like, yeah, he taught me so much about about public speaking and about like how to get my career oriented. And that was all back in the early 2000s. So yeah, yeah between him and you and Scott and, and everybody, I, I never would have gotten a job anywhere hmm. other than, you know, where I was already working until they'd eventually fire me once they figured out I was nuts. <laughs> and then you know, ended, <laughs> and ended up at Microsoft, which yeah. was great. But, uh, but yeah, people know that story. So I've emerged. Twitter helped me, uh, leave leave behind a lot of that stuff. And as I was saying, Jeff helped me to find my way uh, out of depression a bit. And something I learned from what Jeff did that I think is very, very important is that making things and doing things is really critical to, to mental health. And that's such a public service announcement kind of thing to say, but as sure. someone who is, who is, yeah, who is severely depressed and has been diagnosed with PTSD, not once, not twice, but six times because I didn't want to believe it. Like, I don't wow. want PTSD. Um, so I went for a sixth opinion. Uh, uh, it helps and very few things do. So if you're out there and I know that there are a lot of people, uh, in the, in the dev world who are isolated and tend to spend a lot of times alone, um, you know, if you are depressed, just follow the Jeff model, do things wire yeah. things up you know like it's amazing and now i'm looking at all these other crazy things the the like you were talking earlier um about that device that allows you to 
uh, you know, set up your vidcast wherever you happen to be right. and have that automatic failover, which by the way, I love that. It, it sounds like raid for, yeah. um, for network connections, exactly. right? And it's that kind of thing that I love now that we didn't used to have. When you think about the Raspberry Pi, when you think about, well, uh, uh, and Arduino and all the other million things I've missed out on, there's so much that we can do, uh, without having to rely on, on some manufacturer, uh, without waiting around for them to maybe hopefully build the things we want and need or the things we just want to do. Like I've had this strong temptation lately to, create uh, a raid array out of um out of flash disks and i don't know why like there's no reason i don't need it i just want to have a redundant a properly redundant i'm not just talking about uh you know raid zero or raid one i mean i want a full full setup here i want those i want disks that look kind of like the shield uh generators from empire strikes back that the adats <laughs> had to blow up i want it to look like that and I can take my little raid with me everywhere. And I'm guessing that's already been invented. Has that been? Is that the case, Campbell? I don't know. There's lots of little glowy things, man, but they're just not the shields you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess, I guess that's it. There's so many things you can make now yeah. that you'll make them just for the purpose of making them. Now, there's a first world kind of uh, opportunity. Yeah. Well, music is something that you've always done. Uh, what about that? Are you... Have you been able to write any more music? Unfortunately for me, music follows the same rule as writing. So I haven't been writing as much music. For the longest time, I actually only wrote music and words to pass the time. Because mm -hmm. being sick and bedridden is like being on one long flight. <laughs> you never yeah. get off the flight. You are always there. You're always uncomfortable. You hate it. So you just pass the time. And that mm -hmm. means sleep. And then, you know, reading airport novels and things like that. So, um, yeah, not a lot of music. But what I did do the whole time, oddly, is I kept coding. I didn't stop. But I, I needed to distract myself. So I got very far away from iOS and .NET. You know, mm -hmm. I, I wanted to get away from the familiar territories. And this is where we start getting into an actual tech podcast, right? <laughs> we're going to talk about, <laughs> we're going to talk about programming here because, uh, I really got into Lua. Um, and really? It seems, yeah, I, I, I love it. And Chris, I, I tweeted about this, I think, two years ago. And Chris Sells asked me, you know, he tweeted back, why? <laughs> he asked me the same thing about sockets. <laughs> why would you want to use that? Why would you do and, that? And, and Chris's questions are usually a combination, right? Like, it, it's an insult mixed with a genuine question right um there, there's a little bit of shade he's thrown at you and and there's some suspicion but he's giving you the opportunity to, to sell change him his on mind it, right? yeah absolutely and, and and the thing about lua and if you guys haven't played with lua people out there i'm going to tell you right now if you have uh, an ipad it won't work for the iphone but if you have an ipad look for something called codia it's just the word code with the letter a at the end it's a Lua, uh, it's a Lua IDE, and it's one of the best IDEs I've probably ever used for just straight coding. Spell you know, Lua you don't for have us? a forms builder. L-U-A. Oh, um, L-U-A. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I think it's Portuguese for moon. And, uh, anyway, so it, the, the answer, Chris, <laughs> to your, to your tweet from a couple years ago is that, uh, God, where do you start? You think about .NET, right? And, and, 
it doesn't really matter what language you're using because the frameworks are what matter. And we've been talking about that since I did yeah. co- co-host the show. Mm-hmm. You know, we went from being programmers, from being VB programmers or C programmers to just being developers in general. Yeah. You had to learn a lot of new skills. And of course, development went from these monolithic applications to everything being modular, et cetera, et cetera. Again, I know I'm going over history, but we ended up having everything we needed in these frameworks to the point that, like I said, we're looking for just fun tech things to do. Mm. And of course, Java has been going down that road for ages. I I mean, in Java, it's all about building a new framework, no matter what you're doing. Mm. Um, And uh, I just, I didn't want to work there anymore. So I just went straight up Lua with nothing but, uh, and this is on iOS. It was, it's an older editor, no longer available in the store. It didn't have code completion. So that was a fun return to the good old days, but it's so simple and it has no features. And <laughs> Lua has one built-in data type. There's only one and it's table. All right. And I want you to hold it right there because uh, Richard, guess what time it is now? It must be that happy time again. Yeah. It's time to lay out the punchline to this joke one bit at a time with a pair of chromium encrusted tweezers. Really? You're going to pick up the ones and zeros individually and lay them together to make a joke? I am. That's a lot of bits. Yeah, it is. I don't think Rory remembers. If you set them all to zero, is it still funny? (laughs) Are we talking about the nipple thing? No. (laughs) (laughs) You got to understand, Carl. We used her a lot. (laughs) Yes, that that was a little joke in the long email that you got from, I think it was Roy Ogborn. But, uh, 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 yeah, yeah. 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 All right. Oh, I just oh, made a reference oh, thinking- to a to one segment on one show of .NET Rocks, or maybe it was Mondays, that was absolutely hilarious. And uh, that's sorry. I'm, you know, oh, it's not fun. No, that's okay. All right. <laughs> well, it's actually time to give away a $200 Amazon gift card, compliments of progress, Telerik, to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first, let me tell you about the most comprehensive developer toolkit for building modern apps on the market today, Telerik DevCraft. With more than 1,100 Telerik.net and Kendo UI JavaScript components and controls, you can easily build modern, high-performant web, mobile, and desktop apps, as well as chatbots. The toolset also includes reporting solutions, automated testing and productivity tools, and comes with a range of support options. New this year is a free online training program for all license holders. With this, alongside thousands of demos with source code, comprehensive docs, and a full assortment of Visual Studio templates, you'll be up and running with the Progress Telerik and Kendo UI tools in no time. Download a free 30-day trial today at Telerik.com slash download and also consider supporting .NET Rocks by making a monthly pledge at patreon.netrocks.com to ensure that we will stay on the air for years to come. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Matt Scranton. Congratulations, Matt. Congratulations. And Merry Christmas, Matt. Well Matt just won a $200 Amazon gift card thanks to Progress and Telerik just for being a member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And if you'd like to join the fan club, go to .NET Rocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the club. We have thousands of members all over the world, and every show we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the fan club. All right, Rory, the tables are turned. 
Five thousand dollars. If you had five grand to spend on technology right now, what would you buy? Jesus. Um. Yeah. So that question was in there, and I was trying to figure out what would I buy because again, you are talking to someone who is ignorant of you know the the technology is currently available because I missed out on all the toys. But one of each. God. Like, <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? Like, what do you get now? There, do you need a, a a big thing? Do you need a medium sized thing? Does it have to come in a box? Should it be a card? What about some VR, some virtual reality? What about that stuff? Microsoft, uh, you know, I, I, you know, on Twitter, Microsoft posts all those, uh, uh, you know, ads about all their products and things that they sell. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what ads are for. People already understand that. But one of those <laughs> products was for their. It's not. It's not VR, but it's like MR. Uh, augmented right? reality, and, right? Hololens. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't augmented either. It was something like right in the middle, and I made oh. fun of the post. But then the I didn't think I'd get a reply, but I did, and it was it was to a demo of this stuff, and it is so cool. If I think it's what I think it is, Campbell, do you know anything about this? No, MR. Um, I, yeah, I think I think it's uh, well, whatever it is, it's, it's probably off there in the Microsoft Store, and it's not virtual reality. But I got the feeling that. It doesn't just allow you to do oh, like you virtual mean MR reality, mixed and, reality, like the, uh, the whole mixed yeah, reality, mixed reality, where it's like right. you have it. They serve as a hub partly for um for what you're working on. Yeah, you know, and uh, and that like there's a use case finally. Oh yeah, VR headsets have been around. The first time I used a VR headset was in 1990, I think, mm. and it was for the grand opening of this huge superstore. And of course, it was 50 pounds, and I, I have scoliosis from it. But I played <laughs> one of those weird games with all the ray traced uh, dinosaurs flying around. You had to shoot, and right. it ran at about 12 FPS. But it's you been sure around it forever. Just mushrooms? <laughs> well, at that point in time, it could have been a combination of both. To be honest, yeah. Yeah. to be totally honest, but yeah, um, the now we now we have the same technology essentially and people still haven't quite like when i when i talk to people in stores and i don't know if it's that that best buy people are really snotty but they're like oh vr you mean last year (laughs) or or um like i don't want to say it's a millennial thing but it's sort of like when they say who listens to albums anymore (laughs) you know i i I do i like the whole the whole album and i don't care if vr just became exciting last year hell yeah i'm interested in that stuff there's so many cool things going on i i do think that the mixed reality concept is what will ultimately replace a smartphone that that oh yeah definitely because that's what i wanted back in the day i have been it might even be in don rocks somewhere it i'm positive it's on neapolean but after i got my uh smt 5600 um for those of you who are too young that is the phone that really changed the game for Microsoft. Um, back when Microsoft was still doing a lot of mobile stuff. Yeah. And, and, and pocket PC, Windows mobile, the, the early 2000s, Microsoft really kicked ass in mobile. And the SMT 5600, like I, like I mentioned, was, uh, a particularly, uh, wonderful phone. And when I was using it, I realized, hey, I've got, you know, in 2005 or whenever it was, I've got uh, a word processor here. I had already written a replacement for access that I had installed on it. I had, so I had my database mm-hmm. um, equivalent. I had a spreadsheet equivalent. I had my eBooks. I mean, it was a, it was an iPod long before the iPod was what it 
became. I mean, iPods were up, but I'm talking about the iPad Touch, obviously. Right. It, it was just so impressive. And I thought, what if this thing could somehow connect to glasses and I could go on a plane and use one of these portable folding keyboards and just put my glasses on and use my phone as a computer? Like, mm. why can't I yeah. do that? Right. And that, that technology was around in 2005. Like, you uh, could have I found done it, it. I found a review for the SMT5600 from 2004. Yeah. Oh, is it, is my it Scobles? God. It's mobile. No, it's mobile 2003. It's V66480 by 480 graphics. It can handle two resolutions of videos with sound, both 128 by 96 and 176 by 144. Wow. And I've got some great videos I made with that, too, one of which is titled Smoking in the Playground. And, um, <laughs> think, things were different back then, weren't they? You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What we could get away with. It's a candy bar phone. It's beautiful. So I have a holiday Rory story. Can I tell it? Absolutely. All right. So I mean, it's your show. I can't stop you. <laughs> you could you could stop me. <laughs> well, I'm not going to. <laughs> How about now? How about now? How about now? Tell your story. How about now? Tell your holiday Rory story. Tell your holiday Rory story. All right. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So here's the story. I'm not going to name names, but Back in the day of uh, when Rory and I did the show together, 50 to 100, the shows were two hours long, right? They, we did two interviews per show, and we only had like one or two shows per week. I can't remember. So it wasn't one. We weren't producing a lot of content. But we also, you know, did the Google Weirdos thing, and we did uh, some music occasionally. And we, it was kind of like a variety show. And this is before we branched off into Mondays. And we got a, shall we say, uh, a very senior person at Microsoft who was a fan of ours for .NET, right, to line up an interview with uh, a couple of executives. And this person at Microsoft said, now, I want you to be respectful and, you know, no off-color humor be, you know, professional about this, okay? Yes, right, I said, except I forgot to tell you. <laughs> it wouldn't have mattered. Now, yeah. these guys <laughs> these guys are on the phone, on hold, waiting for us to get to their interview, and it's time for Google Weirdos. And I was like, oh, God, I totally forgot. Oh, man, I hope, I hope. I hope this is going to be okay. The first one. So, and of course, you can set it up, Rory. What is Google Weirdos exactly? Well, I run a website called neopoleon.com. That's N-E-O-P-O-L-E-O-N.com. Easy to get to, easy to find. And whenever people uh, Google me, I'm able to go into my logs because I have really advanced software and I'm able to see what the search term was that led them to my site. And a lot of times the search terms happen to be very odd and i don't know how they got to me especially when it comes to things like horse balls and you know dog ding dongs and things like that and uh and i like to read these out once a week on the show right i usually get about a dozen of them that are that are pretty good and eventually people actually started trying to get my attention through google weirdos by seeing if they could make their way into google weirdos right. by entering something into google like hey rory you know you're an yeah. And I would find that in my in my <laughs> in my logs and I would see the search term is hey Rory, you're an asshole. Right. And so people found a way to communicate directly with me 
through Google searches. Right. So, but the thing that's funny about this is that your blog posts are surreal and they're full of all sorts of strange combinations of words that normal people would never put in the same sentence, right? So, the, the, the terms that people actually look for and get a hit on your page can be uh, tell a lot about their weirdness, right? Veterinarian. All right. So the first it's like one was in the mirror. Yeah. yeah. So the first one was less anal leakage. And I go, oh God. And you, what? You want more? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I didn't, I, I didn't know they were on the phone. And to be, no, of course to not. be fair, to be fair, I was right. There's nothing wrong with what I said. No. If you read a, no. if, if you read a search term and it says more anal leakage, then the first thing you think of is no, I want less <laughs> anal leakage. I said nothing wrong. I said nothing inappropriate. No, no on of that course show. not. Those but people were soft and <laughs> are probably still in charge, and I think they're wonderful. So anyway, that uh. was just the first one, and it got worse from there. And and what was great was that this person from Microsoft, we had a little live chat room and IRC back channel going, and this person was fuming. Get off the toilet humor, fuming. <laughs> and then the guys come on and, and uh, you know, Carl, I've done a lot of press and uh, I've never followed a story about anal leakage before. <laughs> and they kept bringing it up. And we're, I'm trying, I'm embarrassed, right? I'm just trying to change the subject as fast as I can. Yeah, let's talk about .NET. Yeah. <laughs> and then they just kept bringing they it back me. and bringing it I, back. I found the show. Well, Lester was. A Do big you want to know what show it was? You don't want to know what show. It was. Tell me what show it was. It's show sixty-one with Vic Gondotra, Steve Cellini, and Len I Carl. knew it. Oh yeah. No. And it was the beginning of Longhorn. I mean, it was an incredibly. It's April of two thousand four. It's right before the PDC. It's an incredibly <laughs> important show, <laughs> and they couldn't get off the anal leakage the entire it's time. Hilarious! They loved well, it. Well, a lot of people couldn't at the time because of Alestra. Alestra was really big. <laughs> that's right. And, that's kind of that's yeah. kind of where it came from. I think the event that started you writing this blog post that had anal leakage in it was that you were uh you you were in New London. And I had some sugar-free candy with maltitol in it. And it's bad stuff, yeah. It's really known for doing a number on your gut, your lower digestive tract. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So I think what you were doing was just writing about, you know, the the wonderful what joys you know. of anal leakage from yeah. maltitol candies. I was writing what you know. I have to say though, Steve Cellini, this is really funny. He eventually became my general manager. Yeah, at MSDN. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah, when I was <laughs> when I was at Channel Nine and I was working for Jeff Sanquist, Steve Cellini was uh, was the manager above him. So, yeah, I ultimately, um, <laughs> for reviews and such, reported to Steve Cellini. <laughs> Vic Gondotra yeah. was the guy who went to Google and supposedly uh, Palmer was so angry about that he threw a, a chair through a, a, a piece of glass or something like it's it's all sort of the apocryphal story. He's Dude. also the guy behind Google. Uh, Plus, yeah. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. that's interesting because I remember, like, I really like Vic Gondotra. <laughs> I, I didn't mean to just say Vic like I knew him. I didn't. <laughs> I interviewed him apparently, but uh, but he was, you know, he. I remember him being being very intelligent, doing a lot. Of, I I can mm. understand him getting poached. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know if that bomber story is apocryphal, but I was in a meeting at Microsoft where, gosh, 
I think we're probably going to be skirting the edge of lawsuits here. I'm, <laughs> let's just pretend I didn't say anything about the chair and move on to happier things. <laughs> so you've I seen never chairs worked at Microsoft. Fly. We can't prove anything. I haven't seen them fly, you know. Oh, but okay. Anyway, there are rumors things happen. Yeah, everything's fine. We're all fine. Does Bomber still work there? I haven't even kept up on it. No. But Steve was also the guy who got us doing um, the 64-bit question at, uh, at the PDC. That's, That's right. It started. Yeah. Oh, back in the day. You know what? You mentioned Longhorn. There's yeah. something that, I mean, of all the things, Microsoft, God, when I was up at Channel 9, see, this is something I never really got to talk about <laughs> back in the day because I was still yeah. working for Microsoft. But Vista was such, such a, it's just a backward step, you know, because yeah. oh. I had, I had, uh, requisitioned the most powerful laptop you could get in the universe at the time. It was one of those Dell XPSs right. with like five, uh, GPUs and, uh, and six cores. And <laughs> it, it, it was doing nothing but churning and churning yeah. and churning. And Longhorn itself was like one of the most beautiful OSs I've used to this day. And WinFS and all that technology in there. Uh, well, that's the thing. They built it up, yeah. right? With WinFS, yeah. the file system, and and WinFX and all of these things. And WinFS got totally taken out. But I, I also recall um, you explaining WinFS. Now, WinFS was essentially a distributed metadata system database for, for files. So that it would basically take the file system that you have and add a whole lot of metadata, not just the properties of files. And that would allow you to do sorting and all that stuff. And so you explained WinFS like this. So yeah. say you got your porn collection and you want to sort it by how <laughs> dirty it is. <laughs> like you could have a category like threesomes set had to be burned to the ground afterwards, you know? Oh, I'm older now. That's not dirty anymore. That's just, that's everyday <laughs> Oh, it's par for the course. <laughs> oh, you mean Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it really, th if you look at WinFS though, and hey kids, if you don't know what WinFS is, if you're using your fancy MacBook Pro right now and you're tagging something like with a color, one of your files, that is about one, one millionth of what WinFS could have done for you. Right. Um, it, it allowed such extensive, uh, like metadata, including being able to add your own, uh, uh handlers, right? And, to do yep. that in OS 10 is such a pain in the ass mm. that I've never bothered to do it. I've looked at the code to do it and then I've gotten sick, but I've never bothered to do it myself because ick, I don't want to do that. So yeah, there were a lot of features in there and this was typical of Microsoft at the time in mobile and desktop. They, they were so ahead of the game that they kind of, it's like they weren't relevant <laughs> yet. Yeah. They got there way too soon. And uh, and maybe it was too much work for the hardware at the time. I don't know. But uh, well, plus the hardware yeah, went sideways in the Longhorn time frame, right? That's the point where yeah. CPUs stopped getting faster, and Intel had to redesign the multiple cores, which were going to take a bunch of revisions. Like there was so much, and so much went wrong in that Longhorn time frame. It's it's hard to even get your head around. Yeah, yeah, the, the, and, you know, and that's true. That's really when I talk about Longhorn and the greatness of it. Uh, oh, and another thing I should mention to the kids is. Longhorn became Vista. Right. Um, so, so one of the great things about it, one of the not so great things about it, actually, I should say, is that as I brought the sidebar out, for example, I could watch it do so frame by frame. That was my, that mm -hmm. was my privilege. 
Mm. It, it, but of course, I mean, we're talking about an alpha beta. Actually, it wasn't beta. It wasn't even really alpha. It was, we went to the PDC yeah, and they were like, we built this last night. PDC if it bits. works, you know, <laughs> yeah. Man, that was such a great go home. Uh, great bit of swag. But well, it was ambitious, but, you know, and, and the, yeah. Like R- Richard has been studying and is putting a book together on the history of .NET. I don't know if you knew that, but he's actually interviewed all these guys that were around in that time. Even, you know, the it's not just about .NET, but what was going on with Windows and the operating systems and Richard, are you Okay, so are you going to the people who had a lot to do with this and are you asking why did you make that decision that seems so crazy to the rest of us? Yes. That, oh, God, I have yeah. wanted to write that book so badly or to yeah. ask those questions. I, when are you going to finish it? Because I want it now. I, I think it's going to have, you're going to have to wait another year. I have about 70 hours worth of interviews done, and I think I need another 70. Okay. I'm enjoying the hell out of the process, which means clearly I haven't been working on it long enough yet. Because, <laughs> you know, you have to get to that state yeah. where you hate what you're making before you know you're really finished. Yeah. Uh, and you have to drag yourself over the finish line. Yeah. yeah, and and I'm just yeah. Every time I I listen to because uh, I'm recording all the interviews, which I'm never going to be allowed to release, nor should I. But I just get every time <laughs> yeah. I listen to them, I get so excited by them. It's just I'm really blown away by what went on, and, and just understanding like everybody went to work each day trying to do the right thing. Yeah, it didn't always work out. That is the hard part, right? Yeah. yeah. Is there a nugget you can share with us, Richard? Oh, about Longhorn specifically. Yeah, maybe. Anything that, that sticks out that uh, people will be surprised by. Oh, man. I mean, Longhorn was so many different things. It's it's death by a thousand cuts. But there was a there was a version of Windows before Longhorn, but after XP. Yeah. The, so the XP code name was Whistler. And this one was Blackcomb, right? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the ne- so and so when Whistler's a mountain not far from where I am is a ski mountain that the, the Microsofties love to ski at, and the next mountain over is called Blackcomb. And so yeah, the next version was going to be called Blackcomb. And one of the interesting truths when you talk about that time frame, right? If in the two thousand one time frame is that's also when Gates releases the trustworthy computing. Uh, letter because that's after Anna Kornikova and Code Red and the Slammer virus, like all those things that happened to Windows 2000 and XP. Mm. And so he sort of like, everybody stop what you're doing, work on security. And he took a big chunk of the most senior guys in Windows to fix Windows. And this is part of what went wrong with Longhorn was that all of those huh. security patches meant they had to rewrite all the drivers. The driver model was completely different after XP SP2. And the reason it was, you know, the reason it was called Service Pack 2 is they'd already figured out what Service Pack 1 was going to be because it was all the stuff that got cut from the initial release of XP. Mm. I didn't know that. Huh. Man, that's, this, this is the dynamic of it. So part of what, what goes so wrong is be, before Whistler even ships, they're now working on Black Home. And at this point, Microsoft is 90 plus percent of the desktop market. Like they own the space. And Gates has just stepped down as CEO, right? After the... Monopoly crisis, the DOJ, and Gates steps down, Bomber takes over, and now Gates is chief architect. And I got the sneaking suspicion he just had too much time on his hands. Hmm. And Blackcomb was originally specified as this object-oriented operating system, top to bottom. That's what it was, right? Like an object-based file system. Um, and, and that's when FS, just right? Constant was, mapping everywhere, yeah. Yeah. 
So they, I mean, it was so far out of realms. Like WinFS is the dialed back version of the vision that was Black Home. Wow. And that's what they made into Longhorn. And then that came up with the three pillars, but also incorporating .NET into the core of the operating system. Right. Right. I remember that. that oh. But remember, they were doing this work on version one of .NET. It just yeah. wasn't ready to be part of an operating system. Hmm. Like, one could argue if they had waited until 2005, until two, version 2, when it was so much stronger, it might have worked. But part of what went so wrong with Longhorn is that they had changed the security model. The CPUs had gone sideways. They were redesigning the operating system from scratch with this big vision of, of object orientation. And they threw .NET in there in a mix. And it's like, you can change one thing in yeah. your design of an operating system, but you can't change everything. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> no, um, no, that's like, that's like changing someone's home address. Um, so they end up at a completely different house that looks nothing yeah. like the one they, they had left in the morning. Right. Yeah. And yeah. can, can yeah. I, I, I actually have a nugget similar. Well, someone's, wait, is your nugget still going? No, Richard? my nugget, I'm all nugged out. <laughs> okay. So. So I, I have a nug that I will nug then for you as long as we're making nug into a verb. Allow me While to nug. we're nugging. So nug this. Um, <laughs> I was in one of those big meetings where there were several thousand Microsoft people. And it was, I guess it was probably 2004, 2005. And Bomber was up there and he was talking about how upset he was that softies were using Fire uh, Firefox for work <laughs> basically yeah. because at the time explorer was in a bit of a state and mm. as is my way i had to get up there and ask a question as is my way i was perhaps a bit obnoxious about it but the point is i kind of brought up that it isn't quite fair to blame us the workers for uh you know for having to switch to firefox to get our jobs done because at the time we really did have to at times mm. and later on that day and this goes, uh, I should say the, the relevance here goes back to what Richard said about how everybody had the best intentions, right? Uh, there was a party that night and I ran into some guys from the Explorer team and boy, like I didn't expect that. And I hadn't thought about my voice and my attitude and how caustic I could be without meaning to. Hmm. But you, you threw the, the, the Explorer team under the bus. Yeah. I really did. And, and it was in front of a large group of people. And yeah. I just, just no self-awareness. <laughs> it was like the office happening in a meeting setting. I, I, I was just a total idiot. But anyway, so when I was talking to the team, uh, like I said, they were very polite. It was as though I had been a decent human being. And they talked to me about some of their decisions and why they had to make them. And that's when you start learning how political a lot of it is or yeah. how or how if it isn't political, it's a catastrophe somewhere and you've got to yeah. go put a fire out. Like there's so much chaos and uh, and and yeah, and you can see that happen in Microsoft, of course, because Microsoft is so obsessive about about backward compatibility, right. where in the Apple world, we wake up and a new operating system has automatically installed itself over the old one like it did last week. And it <laughs> looks more or less like the one we had last week. And yeah. uh, Except that all your files are missing. Yeah. What's a file? Remember when you had data on your machine? That was a good day. That's the part that sucks, right? Because I have one phone I'm not updating because if I do, a bunch of apps are going to stop working. Yeah. Yeah. So th this is an example of like political versus 
catastrophe in a way. Yep. I have way more freedom on, on the Microsoft side of things, partly because I have to. If I'm going to be able to get <laughs> to something that I've worked on 20 years ago, 25 years ago, I'm going to need access to the to the file format. The file. I'm going to need to get in there somehow. And of course, Microsoft, it's incredibly easy to do that because they have shifted forward with all the cruft where right. Apple leaves the cruft behind, but sometimes often, well, always at the cost of the customer. Yeah. Yep. Well, Apple has always known better what the customer wanted than the customer knew. They're very good at, yeah, at that. Yeah. Just, you know, the, the you know, I think Jobs said it best when he said, don't hold it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> you just don't that. get it. That is such a tech thing, you know, like to, to yeah. be using a piece of hardware, a piece of software and the person who designed it is looking over your shoulder and you can feel the tension because you you're moving the mouse cursor toward that one button they know doesn't work, but you don't know it. And you can just feel they want to stop you, grab you and say, no, you need to click that other button. You know, you that's, wrong. That's, what te- that's what testing used to be, you know, before unit testing, you would just look yeah. over somebody's shoulder and, uh, and make them really nervous about the bugs they know they left <laughs> in the code. Can I finish my little thing about Lua? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Go back to Lua. Yeah, let's go back to Lua because I want to talk about why it's so great. If you go to the Lua uh, homepage, which you can probably find through searching. Lua.org. Yeah, Lua.org, that one. Um, the entire grammar is is published there, and that's not a big deal. But when you look at the size of the file, most of it is explanations as you would expect because you know a grammar uh, on its own is not going to be super wordy right i mean it's a spec <laughs> but uh it's it's such a simple language that you can learn it from reading the grammar and i love that there there are certain natural languages for example like italian where there are some rules that are so fixed that you can learn them without hearing language or speaking it and lua is a lot like that you know, it reminds me of Ruby. Like it's don't don't you dare! You take those words and put them <laughs> no, right very, back in your mouth. Very, Ru- swallow Ruby them, is your friend. throw them up, burn the puke. <laughs> Ruby take loves the you, ashes, Ruby. Rory. Spread them to the winds. Hope Rory, they make Ruby. their way to the Ruby, atmosphere Rory. and into outer See space and into the heart of the sun, where they will be turned into fuel <laughs> and exploded to come back as light that shines on you for the rest of your cursed life, you Canadian communist. <laughs> <laughs> All we need is a rails for Lua, and we'd all be happy, I think. As I was saying about Lua. I, I think that's a trigger. Yes. It's very simple. You mean like Ruby? <laughs> I don't even like that word anymore. So, it doesn't have any really stupid characters you have to put in or around or near anything. They haven't tried to reinvent, oh, I don't know, like certain types of notation. But without getting on to all the reasons it's better than like a lot of other stupid languages is that it has no features. It's a lot like picking up basic in 1983 or 84. Mm. You have your editor, your window, and that's it. And you've got the basic language. But what's amazing is how quickly you can create a DSL with it. For example, the domain specific language for isn't that what we call them? Domain yeah, specific yeah, yeah. languages. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I got the acronym right or I'm going to sound like a real <laughs> asshole. But everything basically is a, is a first class uh, member. You can, you can rename uh, global functions. You have, it's very difficult to explain how flexible it is. You can, you can 
shove Lua up its own ass and it will still work. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> that, that is a metric of a good language, though, isn't it? <laughs> How recursive is it? Okay. 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 Campbell brings up another good point. It's very easy to shoot yourself in the foot with it. Okay. For example, when I was using the, uh, an early Lua IDE on iOS, I was able to, through the global uh, environment uh, that's kept for Lua, I was able to traverse my way up to the Lua Objective-C bridge and make changes to the app I was using. You're really not supposed to be able to do that. But I was able to like modify the nav bar. I was able to modify the color of the UI elements. I was able to do, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. And that is one of the things you can do. You can really shoot yourself in the foot. Um, it's a little bit like C in that, in that respect. Mm, nice. Okay. What, what are you coding? Like, what are you making on your iPad in Codia with Lua? Okay. Well, in Codia, you're making games, but in, in a basic Lua editor, uh, you're going to be, just writing writing code and this is where it gets interesting right because you say if you have no real framework i mean you have all the basics built in you have layers built over like sockets and and over you know file access it's posix basically you know that's what it's oriented toward but you begin by realizing there's nothing there and for example i missed object orientation and this is so cool. With Lua, you can roll your own object-oriented system any number of ways. So I have my own uh, style, my own entire way of... I have I have Rory's object-oriented programming system. It's wow. not like somebody else's. And you can do that with Lua in in a few lines. Well, I say a few lines, but but really to to get the data types, that is to say the tables begin to act like objects is really easy and each table has a meta table and this is where it starts getting really interesting because oh my god the thing you can throw a function like an anonymous function into (laughs) into a table and then you can have some kind of trigger somewhere else in its meta table that's going to cause that function to get called when this happens it's like you can link so many things together all you've got is this one data type Wow. And right. you just, you look at what you can build. So I wrote my own framework, uh, kind of, I wanted to see if I could do a basic .NET style framework with IO, um, higher level wrappers over all the crap. And it was so much fun and it was, it taught me so much. And I really, I'm not kidding. I think anybody who has a few hours should pick up Lua and play with it. And, and just, there's a moment when you grok it, it won't make sense until you realize how powerful the table and meta table combo is. It sounds kind of functional. Well, is it? No, I mean it really is procedural. In okay. fact, it's it's about as procedural as it gets, but like a lot of languages and as I well as I said you can shove it up its own ass. Um so you can you can definitely do that or I was working on a system uh where you could do base 36 uh arithmetic mm. because I just wanted to. And I, I don't know exactly how I would go about doing that in .NET um, in a way that would that would feel graceful. Where yeah. here you can add it, you can add it to this to the environment in such a way that it feels like it's part of the language. Right. Or something uh, people commonly do is they replace the built-in functions with their own. So I like pretty printing, so I replace the built-in print command with my own print command that automatically pretty prints. Yeah, because that couldn't cause any problems at all. 
Okay, again, Campbell has <laughs> touched on a slight problem of Lua, which is that, yeah, you can shoot yourself in the foot. So you have to write your own language, basically, before you can use it to write <laughs> anything. But that, I mean, you know, you kind of get lost. I, I can see why you really like it, though, because you can kind of lose yourself in the plumbing of it, right? And that, yeah, because that you are the plumbing. Yeah, and that is probably a really pleasurable experience for you, just sort of, you know, your brain walking through these these puzzles, yes. these plumbing exercises. That you've created yourself right. in some cases. Because, they, I mean, they support many ways of transferring data. Like, I love pipes, for example. I don't know why, but I just always love pipes. Hmm. They provide you with means of accessing all these technologies. It's just not there. <laughs> There's no framework. There's right. just the low-level libraries with the wrappers over them. But another interesting thing about Lua and perhaps one of the reasons uh, – well, one of the reasons I used it is I wanted to be able to program on my iPad while I was lying in bed because I couldn't sit up with a full desktop and my laptop was like 500 pounds and that could, that starts hurting after the eighth hour. Yeah, so right. I looked for any language in it and it was Lua. And yeah, you, one of the reasons I think it's so easy to make an iOS IDE for Lua is that Lua is nothing but like a little C file. You just yeah. chuck it in there and it's integrated. And uh, and that's it. And it makes you wonder why you even pay for Lua IDE, but I mm -hmm. guess because a lot of work went into it and it's really, really nice. I love it. I mean, it's really cool just to hear you, you know, passionate about this language. Uh, you know, it's something that I've never used and uh, I want to I hear more, you know? Well, it, it was originally conceived as almost a replacement for like batch commands. Okay. It's supposed to be like a configuration language. It's supposed to be part of builds. It's supposed to be an extension language. It was never intended to be a standalone language. Ah. And and in fact, if you go and you download Lua, what you're really downloading is an interpreter. You aren't really getting a whole lot. Okay. It's like having a sketchpad with a programming language. If you're a dev, it's like Legos almost. You just have these little building blocks and you can build so much with it. Right. And I'm um, I'm only pushing it this hard because w one of the oh man uh uh Mark Champalia, he's this great dev in Portland, brilliant. Once wrote an interface so you could play Super Mario Brothers with with four people controlling Mario, one person playing the piano, another person playing the strings, another <laughs> person singing, and another person playing guitar. They receive no instructions. Each <laughs> one starts playing, and as they play, they learn what their instruments do to control Mario. This, I think, was his thesis for computer science, and wow. it's brilliant. So, anyway, one of the smartest people I've known, and I think in 2009, he told me about Lua, and I was like, why the crap would I care about that? You know, yeah, I had, right. and, and I was, I was, way, it was beyond what Cells was like, you know, because Cells was like, well, why would you like that? But I was more of a, why the hell would you care? You know, I mean, objective C, C sharp, world complete. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Any questions? Put, put a final brace on that and suck it. And, uh, <laughs> that's that. but, but it turns out Mark, who also wrote his own OpenGL uh, API, by the way, in 2009, without knowing anything about OpenGL. Turns out when really smart people suggest things like that to you, be as smart as they are or try to be in. And yeah, I've, cool. I've, I've become a little bit humbler over the years as I've learned that, you know, other people have feelings and inner identities. <laughs> and that makes me sound like a sociopath. <laughs> <laughs>
but yeah. <laughs> well, dude, you're, you're our Rory. And, you know, like I said, everybody loves you and uh, really glad that you're back on Twitter and, uh, uh, your Twitter handle is Rory underscore Blythe. And I'm hoping that, uh, people will go follow him and, uh, you know, catch up. Well, yeah, after my rambling here, I'm sure they're going to want a whole lot more of that. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and no. then he said blah 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 blah. I really, blah, blah. I really do enjoy your tweets, and uh, hope you get some more followers from this. What I, what I really want is the followers who want to be there. So yeah. I was thinking about trying to get fewer followers by asking. In fact, maybe they're listening. Anybody who is subscribed to my feed and doesn't like it, please unsubscribe. And I know that's a weird ask, but um, I really want to end up with a with a real community, even if it's only twelve of us. So, right. Oh, that's interesting. Only subscribe if you really want to talk and be friends. That's so cool. All right, man, we're going to let you go, but uh, just one last thing. Merry Christmas. and Merry Christmas, It's man. really good to talk to you again. You too. Like, and thank you for having me on. And, and I hope the users are, I, the users, I hope the listeners are all right with it. Yeah. Because <laughs> this is, this was a bit of a different show. It yeah. usually is when I'm on, I that guess. That was the intent. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. We're just hanging out. Merry Christmas, Rory. My hey. first good Christmas in years so <laughs> nice yeah thank you alright thank you Roy and we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a, a top